I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is brought to you by Spotify and is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It will also help you distribute your podcast across popular podcast hosting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast on Anchor with no minimum listenership. So for those of us just starting out, this is very helpful. And do you know how much it costs to have everything you need to make a podcast in one place? 100% free. Yep, you heard me right. You can do all of this and make money for free. So if you have been thinking about starting your own podcast, now is your chance. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Yan. Hi, I'm Yvonne. Welcome to Lost and Refound Podcast. We're a podcast discussing our personal journeys as modern Asian women and sharing inspiring stories from within our community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today at Lost and Refound. Today we have Kofi Beauty the founder Priyanka Chopra. Um, oh my gosh, I was about to say Priyanka Chopra. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but for, we have the founder Priyanka with Kofi Beauty here with us today. And so we are so excited to be able to introduce another amazing beauty brands with such a diverse and inclusive founder story. And we cannot wait to share your story and hear your journey about how you've gotten here and where you want to grow. So Priyanka, thank you so much. I cannot wait to listen to you. Thanks so much for having me, Juan and Jan. So amazing to connect again and be on this podcast. And yeah, I'm just like, just a little bit behind Priyanka Chopra and popularity. <laughs> <laughs> and how is your week going so far with um, the first of 2021? I'm sure production is in Sue and everything in 2020 maybe had to have a little bit of setback. How are we feeling in 2021? Pretty good. We're a few weeks away from launch. We're launching on Feb 16th, 2020. So for all of your podcast viewers, I hope you'll come and check us out on kofibeauty.com. Absolutely. Oh, so just putting together the, the final finishing touches of uh, getting ready, you know, setting up our emails, setting up our launch social media. The product we're launching with is already in the warehouse, which is basically my apartment. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're almost ready to go. And you're living the true founder lifestyle. I can see in the video, she's got these boxes, guys, just boxes and boxes just <laughs> stacked in front of her bathroom door. <laughs> and how is um and how is everybody like working through you and working together? Is it out of your apartment? Um, will be also the distribution center as well. Yeah, for launch, I'm going to be shipping and packing myself. I'll get some help. So I'm actually looking for an ops coordinator right now to help me, you know, ship. But yep, it's all going to happen from my apartment. Uh, and I have 25,000 uh, Kajal eyeliners right now in the apartment that are going to go out. So wow. that is so exciting. It's super exciting, but also like scary. I mean, it the the good scenario is we get like a lot of orders but that also means like I don't know how I'm gonna like do the shipping but I did want to do everything in-house first because I think like it's really important for me to learn every part of the business and be able to um you know just have that touch that personal touch in the beginning especially as we have a small community and then you know we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll find a way to scale that over time 
That's how you know you really care about the brand. You're not just out here to make another buck. We are actually trying to create something for a very specific seg segment of population. Can you actually um, speak a little bit about your brand? What inspired your brand? And you know, what is this brand targeting? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in the beauty industry actually with Jan and Yvonne. <laughs> And then prior to that, I was at Estee Lauder and, you know, throughout my time at, uh, at, uh, in the beauty industry, I think what was amazing was seeing the indie beauty revolution where indie beauty is really creating lots of diversity in, in the brands that we have, but I was still finding it hard to find shades for my skin tone. Right. I was still mixing my concealer shades. I was like, where, what's like the right bronzer shade. Like there was no one targeting people who look like me. I'm South Asian. I'm, I'm, uh, Indian. And so, uh, and then when my family and friends would ask me, like, can you recommend a brand for me? And I would really struggle to find a brand that was really centering the South Asian consumer. And so uh, I got tired of waiting for someone else to solve that problem and decided to, you know, quit my well-paying job and uh, start Kothi. And what's been amazing has been that, you know, when I left, I thought there was a product gap, which I had felt. But over time, as we built our community, I realized there's an emotional gap. We haven't ever felt beautiful. We've never felt represented. We've never been the center of a beauty celebration. We're always like, we're either never there, or if we're there, we're that one checkbox, like let's put one tan brown person in there in the campaign on the side, or have one shade for this, for this like billion people basically around the world. And I think that, is what drives me now. And especially through the pandemic, um, a story I often say is like, I got an email once from a young mom who, who said like, I love what you're doing because I just gave birth to my daughter and I want her to grow up in a world where she feels beautiful. And I think that that's just the power of what beauty can do and beauty can be. And I think being able to, having that privilege to be able to create that change is, is uh, what I'm really grateful for. Yeah, and I think, when people say Asian, a lot of times people don't think of Southeast Asian or South Asians. It's very much just the East Asians. And that's something I actually had to recognize in the past few years. Oh yeah, Asia is such a large place. You shouldn't just think, you know, Asians just look like this. There's a huge range of skin tones and our skins are very different. Our hair is very different. So it's it's really great to, to hear that, you know, you're really representing that population. And actually speaking of Priyanka, uh, Priyanka Chopra, she um, is, I think, uh, promoting Southeast or South Asian designers. So I can see you partnering with her one day. Perhaps. Uh, yeah, I think what we've done intentionally, though, with Kofi is build a community of really relatable and as like relatable, aspirational people who you who you actually meet in day-to-day -day life, right? So we spend a lot of time on our community and our uh, blog, which is called Kofi Bites. And the, if you look at the people we interview, it's it's really people in your everyday life who are doing something really cool and interesting, kind of similar to how you're doing your podcast. Exactly. Yep. With like <laughs> up and coming beauty founders who, are, who have these big dreams, but really are at that starting point and being able to give them a platform. Because for the big stars, everyone gives them a platform. It's like the up and coming people who, who need a platform. And I think being able to do that to showcase the South Asian diversity um, that's really what we want to do with our with our content absolutely and I know that you're very much engaged with your community as well and we've talked about uh, product development and sourcing uh, different ideas from your community do you also do that through Instagram 
Yeah, so when I started, um, I actually, the first thing I did, there's a Facebook group on, uh, we didn't have an Instagram back then, right? <laughs> it's a group called Little Brown Diary, uh, which is basically a lot of South Asians, uh, diaspora. And so I went to that Facebook group and I was like, I'm building a beauty brand. Does anyone want to talk to me? <laughs> like literally, uh, internet right and I got a lot of responses and it was amazing to just be able to like find people and I actually met them all one-on-one I ended up doing like a lot of focus groups and surveys through the people that I met basically off the internet off Facebook and then use that to build my initial roadmap and now that we have you know cultivated and curated our, our Instagram community it's been such an amazing resource so you know our second product is a concealer and with concealer, getting the complexion, like the shade right is really, really important. And so uh, when I developed my first round of shades, I put up an Instagram survey saying, anyone wants to sign up to be a tester. And within like a couple of hours, we had like 50 people signed up. And so I think that's the power of having your own community is that you can really use them to create the product with you. Um, and that definitely is top of mind for me. I praise you so much for starting with concealers or, you know, foundation in that just that range. Even Ipsy was scared to do foundations, concealers. That's a category that's hard to do. So that really speaks a lot to, you know, you are really trying to solve an issue. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> like <laughs> our launch product where we actually moved it back because I think it was important to put forward the brand and build trust with the brand first. But really that's the biggest, biggest like, issue that a lot of South Asians face today is complexion that is truly inclusive, that covers like the range of skin tones we have. Uh, One of the analysis I'd read before had said that in India, um, the shades that are offered are most similar to the shades in Japan. And that's because we have, there's a huge problem of colorism in India, right? So we, everyone wants to look fairer. The shades that are offered are called like ivory and porcelain. And even though the brands in India have tried to make uh, more inclusive shades, they're not truly, truly inclusive yet. Uh, Fair and Lovely, which is a big like fairness cream is a billion dollar business in India. They recently rebranded to Glow and Lovely because they realized you know, they were selling something that's a big problem. Um, So there's just like so much there that there's so much cultural um, baggage there that I wanted to address head on. uh, Because if we don't address that, then we're not addressing the biggest challenge for the consumer. Skin bleaching is such a huge, it's in China too. Everybody wants to look as fair as possible. But your certain skin undertones and your skin tone, it's just not possible. And I've seen so many horror stories and damage people have done to their skins from trying different skin bleaching. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, a lot of people have also like don't participate in beauty, right? Like growing up, I didn't participate in beauty because I didn't feel like included. And so when you don't see yourself, you don't feel included, you don't have products for you, then you're not going to be engaged in the category, whereas like everyone should be able to participate in makeup and beauty. And so um, that's why Complexion, even though it's a very hard launch, as you know, and expensive and really hard to do, especially as an online only brand, which we're going to be in the beginning, it's something that's really high priority for me. So it could make or break our business really because of the cash that we put into that launch. And, and how did you develop that cash like as an entrepreneur for your other people that might be listening? Um, I know that certainly beauty brands can be very cash front heavy. How did you develop um, that, that cash? 
in the front? Yeah, so I basically use all of my savings as zero retirement assets. I basically use all of my savings and that was my first kind of cash infusion into the business. Um, and that was, that took us from the time um, I started, which was like around June of 2019 to um, end of last year. But then I realized that going into this year, I'll definitely need like building a beauty business is pretty cash intensive, especially in the prestige segment, which is the segment that I that Kofi is positioned in. And so I went out and started fundraising uh, in September last year. And so um, I'm just about like in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to close my fundraising round. Uh, but that's been important uh, to be able to raise funds funds from angels and friends and family to be able to uh have the money to be able to run the business this year. Wow. And congratulations. Closing funds is no small feat. So, and just closing rounds, it takes so much effort and again, time away from, from running the general business. So congratulations on that, especially, I'm, I mean, assuming this is your first time also starting to fundraise by yourself and learning how to do the ropes and meeting everyone and networking and getting out there. 100%. It was like, I think I had like a 10,000 emails. I probably had like 300 meetings. Um, and then you have to have like your pitch and be as enthusiastic in your first meeting as you are in your 300th meeting. But it does get easier with time. It was really like an overwhelming idea at first. Um, but um, I, I'm glad that I went through that journey. And then um, I have some you know, I think the most important thing, fundraising is not the end goal, right? It's just an enabler. It just makes sure that I'm not going to run out of money before I can even launch this concealer the way that I want to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and you're doing all the right steps to be able to do that. And of course, like channeling your community and getting that awareness out there because people are going to support brands that they care about, right? Like, and I think that that's one of the struggles with a lot of brands that um, companies can just launch because they think, oh, well, because x number or x name is behind this people are going to come and buy this product well in actuality there's so many brands and products out there people people look past that people look for the story and they really look for the why because i mean there's a lot of great products in the drugstore too so i think that you coming up with something that's truly different and touching the internal emotion that everyone wants to feel beautiful and seen and heard. That's so incredibly powerful and very, very special. And I think you do such a great job on that. And you and your whole team, like you have a team to be able to do this. And, and how did you find your team? Yeah, it's so funny because uh, two things I, I, before I answer that question, like oh, yes, I wanted to say was that I had to actually learn that, right? Like the fact that I am, or like our team is the brand superpower. It's more than just like the visuals or the Instagram and the, you know, we are the superpower, but I had to go through a learning process to even realize that because I was not comfortable going in front of a camera. I wanted to be as behind the scenes as possible. But then the moment you show your face, you show your passion, people respond to it. Cause I always thought like, who am I? Like, I'm just like a normal person. Like, why would anyone want to listen to me? But actually it matters. It's mat it matters to have that face. Um, so that was definitely a learning curve for me to be comfortable with putting myself out there. So if you're building a brand tomorrow and for any of your listeners who are like, definitely put your yourself out there because people want to connect to that. Um, and then in terms of how I found the team, um, it, it's a mix of like luck. And then also again, like one of the people actually we put out an internship of like a opportunity on the same Facebook 
Facebook group that I was telling you about and got like a thousand responses probably. And then uh, we picked four people and then, you know, uh, Samia, who, who's, she basically is our editor and she leads our content platform. Um, she was the one who was truly like a diamond that we found in the world of the internet and she's part of the team. Uh, Pritika, who helps with partnerships, I met her through um, a friend who connected me to her and um, Zara messaged me, um, she mess met through a friend. So it was just like, last year I was spending a lot of time anyone who messaged me on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever, I'd be like, let's chat, you know, because it's like part of me is like these people are my consumers. And then some of the consumers ended up being potential consumers being ended up being so passionate that they were like, how do I join the team? How do I participate in this? And that's kind of how we've built our team. And, and did that response surprise you? You were like not expecting a thousand applicants or not expecting people to to come right away? <laughs> think a little I mean of course I knew there's a need right like that's the reason right. I left my job like I knew there's a market out there but I think being able to see those proof points and see that it's not mm -hmm. just you that's dreaming up it it all in your that's right. head that there's actually people who also truly believe in you and believe in the vision believe in what you're trying to create is really rewarding and so um I think that's kind of what it's kind of like fuel for you to keep going absolutely and, and I know that Yen and I, when we talk about um, the corporate world, so you, you have a bleed between the nine to five, right? No one really works a nine to five anymore, especially if it's something you're truly passionate on. And it must be so rewarding to also work all those hours, but feel so happy at the end of the day, because you know that your mission and your morals and your ethic values are 100% aligned. Yeah, no, definitely. But that doesn't make it easy. Like, I don't want to say no, no, no. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not to say that being entrepreneurship is easy. <laughs> because last year I had a lot of, I like, I, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, just with the pandemic and there's so much uncertainty in everyone's personal lives, right? Um, not just me, it's just everyone, the whole world was going through such a huge crisis and it still is. And then to be an like a first time entrepreneur in that world who's put all of her savings into this. Just even that mental pressure was a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that like the fact that I know that, that there's a bigger purpose to it and it aligns with my personal mission keeps me going, but it's definitely, um, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had a nine to five. I will say I will say it's it's harder because when it's your passion project, it's hard. You want it to be perfect. It's hard to draw that line where you say, okay, this is good enough, right? When when it's for another company and you know this is what I have to meet meet here. So let's once I met it, I can move on to the next project. When it's your own, it's completely different, and you're gonna have more self doubt because it's your own. So I will say it's it's harder. How long have you been work, working on Kofi? So um, pretty much since I wouldn't say like May, May, June, 2019. Okay. So can you talk about how has last year, the pandemic affected, you know, just de developing this brand and getting production going? Yeah, definitely slowed down. Um, so my, my roadmap originally was um, that I would, I started building our brand identity sometime in September, 2019. And then my idea was, and I started talking to vendors and things like that about product. And the idea was to fundraise in uh, March. And then after fundraising, build out a team and then build out the product and the community and all of these things. And then March, actually that week I was supposed to fly to California to meet a couple of potential investors and all of this like 
cool stuff. It turned out that the whole country was under lockdown, right? And then this whole mm-hmm. pandemic happens. And so um, I had to quickly pivot. I realized like nobody's going to invest right now, right? Like investors were like trying to figure out what to do with their portfolio companies. And in general, nobody knew what was going to happen. Um and I realized that I said I would raise money to build a community. Why don't I just try to build a community, right? And so I had to pivot to then just actually doing the things I said I would do. Um, and that became a big lifeline because product development completely stopped, right? Our manufacturers weren't on the lab. They weren't in the lab. They weren't like manufacturing. And even if they were, they were prioritizing their big clients. They didn't care about, I mean, they're, they've been great partners, but, you know, obviously like we're not like number one on their priority list. So all of the PD got delayed, fundraising got delayed. So I was like, okay, what what is left that I can do? And I can truly do, what I can do is build that community. And so I'm actually grateful I got that space to build that community because now I know my customers so much more intimately than I would have ever had time to do before. Because like I said, like anyone who wrote in, I'd be like, let's get on a phone call, let's talk and let's chat about beauty. And I think that was, that was such a great, experience to have and I hope I can continue doing that like carving out time to have those conversations yeah it's great marketing too for your brand and when I went up your site I spent so long just reading through stories there are so many stories from like you said real women um, and that's just inspirational yeah I I love what uh, Samia has done with the content platform uh, because yeah we just want showcase like diverse voices because I don't want to say this is South Asian beauty like I'm not like the person who's gonna be like this is the one way you can define South Asian beauty that's like against our principles it's really just Mm -hmm. it's a diverse collection of people it's their own unique stories and then we create the space and the products for them to enjoy and take it and you know build it their own way and for your community I was also wondering if you could also talk about how what it's like to have that side hustle initially right you had that first idea when you're working your corporate one to five and nine to five and just really getting those ideas, at what point did you realize I have to do this? I have to do this. And it, you know, it, it will be my full-time commitment. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's difficult for me because I am a terrible multitasker actually. <laughs> so the entire time I was like in corporate, I was just like super focused on my job maybe a little too focused sometimes. And so I couldn't really work on anything on the side, but again, like that's me. I know like Anna, for example, from Minori, like she's, she's great at like multitasking and there are people who can do that multitask side hustle thing. It's not me. Like I'm very one thing or nothing, but I had this idea of the South Asian beauty market probably for a couple of years. Right. And I've been thinking about it in the background. Why hasn't anyone done it? I was waiting to see if some brand would do it and then we could get that, get it in the Ipsy bag and, you know, like <laughs> help grow right. it and all of these things. But, um, and I, it, like the idea stuck there long enough for me to want to do something about it. And I think like last year I was like, no, not last year. It was 2019. I was like, if I don't do it, then when will I do it? So yeah, I, I just took the leap of faith, basically. Incredible. And in the leap of faith, it's also everyone has faith in you as well. And I just wanted to let you know, you have my full support. And I cannot wait until these products launch. And even just seeing the community, the, the all the photos that you guys have put out, it's so brand centric and people centric and community centric, even from the colors and everything that you've been um, concepted. How did that come to life um, in order for you like to work on it and even create the logo? So the only thing I knew was like, I wanted to 
create a brand that celebrated South Asian beauty, right? That's like the central thesis. And then I I spent about three months trying to find the right creative partner who can bring it to life because communicating it visually through the brand identity is something that's very nuanced and it can very quickly get into like stereotypical trope sort of territory, especially when it comes to like cultures and like ethnic stuff. Like there's a lot of like, tropey stuff out there and so I wanted to find someone who could find that balance of sensibilities where it's inspired by our culture but at the same time recognizing like the world that we live in and you know the brands that we like Um, and so that's how through this like process I was able to find my designer Vadal Patel she's an amazing amazing creative um, and she is Indian American has a has a wonderful design sensibility and she's she truly took that idea I had and created it into a visual identity that that truly speaks for what we stand for. So I think it's like finding the right creative partner uh, was really mm-hmm. important. And I'm glad I went through that, those three months where I was like talking to like, I probably spoke to 20 agencies before I found uh, the right fit. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, and that in itself is just finding and filtering and just trying to sift through because you have so many close close seconds and close calls and you're like oh maybe this one maybe not but ultimately it um it's such a big decision especially hiring the right people just like finding a good friend right this is <laughs> it's a friend for life um i usually tell people i don't work for a company i work for people and i work for my consumers and my clients because that's at the end of the day like what makes me really happy and what i'm working towards i want to create a product that someone i know is meant to have and will enjoy for the rest of their life um, not just something that they'll want because of a, of something of, of a reason that I didn't create it for. <laughs> and I think marrying those two is just the pure essence of what product development and truly bringing different brands to community. That was what people wanted like way back when it wasn't a it wasn't a money uh, contest. <laughs> and I think that you bringing that back in and bringing that love back into all those brands just kind of brings that through. And you're also talking to other founders as well to kind of, you know, work through the process together. And how has that been like working with other founders like yourself? Um, I think it's really great to have a community of founders. I think what's been really interesting is that we've seen a rise in even South Asian beauty founders. So, um, you know, among the many, one of the brands that I've spoken to is uh, Kiku, who's the founder of Shaz and Kicks, which is a hair care brand that's based on Ayurvedic philosophy. And I think it's great to be able to, and then outside of that, obviously, like, um, you know, some of our early investors are beauty brand founders and some of our, uh, some of the community I speak to obviously Anna and other people that are all beauty founders. I think it's really great to be part of that community because then you know you're not the only one going through the challenges. And then when you need a resource, like who can I speak to for like printing or whatever it is, like you know you have someone who can who can give you an answer and has been in your shoes. Having that community really will help support each other, right? Because my husband is also an entrepreneur and people don't see how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. The, the long nights, talking to investors, there are days where it can get very dark. So having that support of community of similar-minded founders that can support each other and help each other will make this process so much easier and also a fun or more fun pro- uh, process than otherwise doing all on your own. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think what I love about beauty also is that it's such a 
expansive uh, space. I don't think it's like just because you're creating something, it's competitive with me because mm-hmm. that's not how a beauty consumer shops. Like once I get into the category, I'm going to buy more. And so I think there's space for us to all work together, uh, which I love about, about beauty. And also kudos, like really praise for you as a partner of an entrepreneur. I don't envy my husband. Like. <laughs> my swings okay some days I'm like oh my god this is gonna be big this is amazing and then some days I'm like what am I doing with my life and you know he sees that whole like wide range of emotions and initially he used to get really concerned but now he's just like oh it's like a good day or it's like a bad day and he's he's yeah he's I think just having him there um makes a big difference yeah you gotta ride that wave (laughs) and just know ultimately those high days are so much higher than the low days and you just got to focus on those yeah definitely so you talked about your second launch will be what had the concealer are you able to talk about what will be included in the initial launch and why you landed on those products yeah so the first launch is actually kajal which is basically coal eyeliner it's a cultural staple for south asians so our grandmas made it in the kitchen and uh, nobody had done a version that was modern, clean, cruelty-free, vegan. And so I wanted to really like start by focusing on on that, on something that's so ingrained in our culture. It's not even considered makeup. You know, when you're a baby, you get like kajal is like put on you to ward off evil eye. But there's actually a bigger story behind why, and we'll um, you'll see that in our launch campaign, um, why we started with kajal it you know in in south asian culture a lot of beauty is defined by the patriarchy unfortunately and how the male gaze sees us and so what we want to talk about is our campaign is called nazar no more nazar is this concept of evil eye and we're saying let's not have the male gaze define beauty for us anymore so that's basically like the short summary of our campaign and why the focus on eyes and gaze and defining beauty from our own gaze is, is important for us for this launch I love that because Yvonne and I always chat about how if you look behind a big corporate office for beauty, it's a bunch of men telling women, this is what you need. And I honestly, I'm over it. I'm so sick. It makes me so mad. Um, so it's so refreshing to hear, you know, hear women saying, we want to do this for us. You know, when I put on makeup now, I, my husband doesn't care if I wear makeup or not. I put on makeup on days where I need to pick me up, one days when I just want to feel pretty and there's nothing wrong with that. So, and we should be doing it for ourselves and not for men. Yeah, hundred percent. I think again, like in the South Asian culture, you can, at least when I grew up, like if you wore too much makeup, you were considered to be like a certain type of person. If you didn't wear any makeup, you were also considered, there's just so much judgment. And you're like, and who's, who's the judgment coming from? You're like, oh, what will my father say? What will my husband, what will my brother say? And I'm like, screw all of that. Yeah, who cares? How do you feel? Yeah, how do you feel? I do think that the, the, the now Gen Z is like definitely overtaking that narrative and we've seen that on social media and I I, I want to be there to enable that because yeah you're right like we wear makeup because we want to feel a certain way or do a certain look it's for us yeah absolutely and do you think having shows like never have I ever that launched on Netflix um, as opposed to shows like Indian Matchmaker <laughs> um is very helpful for the current Gen Z audience, as well as just the modern day woman to kind of understand like, what are these ideals that are being pushed on us? And where are my real people at? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, there was one, one of our articles actually talks about like the representation we saw in media in 2020 for South Asians. And we talk about Never Have I Ever on one end. And then there was Indian matchmaking on the other end. Both were really popular shows and completely different. Um, and I, I and then the takeaway from that article was that there isn't like good or bad representation. We just need more. And I think that's like the key because for sure, like there are people who love each of these shows and also had a lot of disagreements with the shows. Indian matchmaking in particular, I wrote an article on Allure about how it was pushing these beauty standards on us where that we have to be fair, skinny and obedient to be marriageable and lovable. That completely was not challenging that show. So for sure, there's a lot of you know challenges that come with, with what's been portrayed in some of these shows. But I think it's great that we are seeing more representation. We are seeing these conversations brought to the limelight versus like never even having any screen time. And I think that's that get, having more and more of those and more voices is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen um, India matchmaking. I don't watch reality shows, but Never Have It Ever was one of my favorite shows from last, uh, last year. And it was interesting because South Asians and East Asians have very different cultures. And I remember my husband and I were watching, we're like, you know, even though our culture is different, the conversation they were having in this show were the conversation we're having in our own house, you know? And I think that's what's important is for us to be, to find areas where we can completely relate to each other and remind each other, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We, we might come from different areas from around the globe. We might have grown up with different cultures, but when it comes to what we care about and the conversation we have is very, very similar. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's, you know, people are like, oh, but like, can anyone use your makeup? Like, is it only for South Asia? I'm like, yes, of course, everyone is invited. Everyone can, you know, participate in the celebration. I think all we're saying is like, let it come from us. Let it, let us tell, share our culture with you versus like some appropriated version of it that 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 is in, in the media. And so I think uh, there are these, you're right, like, we're, we all connect on beauty at such a personal level, the mother-daughter relationship. There's so many emotions that are just universal and we want to find those connections. Since you've started with makeup, what do you think is the next frontier that also needs some help in the uh, product development and cultural diversity side? Yeah, so I think like I started with makeup because I, like I said, complexion was a big, big uh, challenge and also like makeup for our undertones. So whether that's nude lips, bronzers, there's just like a lot of different um, categories within that. But truly, I feel like when we're building a brand, we're building the community. And if the community tells me tomorrow they need something completely different, hair tools or whatever it is, we'll do that, right? And so I think it's just making sure we are always listening to the community and asking them for what what they, you know, they are our guiding light. I don't want to create something that that nobody wants or doesn't solve a problem. Mm, and I think you just hit it right. Solve a problem because there are a lot of problems in the world and we can always find the problems. And I think that what we um, sometimes a lot of brands do, they keep solving the same problems <laughs> and being able to really take that eye and look outward and see, this is the problem that everyone's been shoving under the rug. No one's really truly addressing it on the head or they're addressing it in a workaround way. 
that um, that doesn't really help anyone that's in that category. So I think, or not even the category, but just as a whole. And I, I think that's so helpful to be able to see that and show that. And you can actually prove to your market, hey, we've tested this with our data. You know how expensive consumer testing actually is? <laughs> that's, it, it blows my mind, actually, when I remember when we were kind of going through, and it's very important. It's very important for like bigger brands, for sure. But I think that that's where a lot of indie brands have a power, because they're already talking directly to their consumer. You're already testing your market, and you're not afraid to. And I think that that's what's so eye-opening. Uh, and to be able to see that and to be able to prove that market space so quickly is it's incredible. And I can't, I want to sign up for testing all your products. <laughs> I have so much faith. And you kind of have to tell me, people used to make eyeliner on the stove. Like your grandmother used to make eyeliner. Yeah, even my uh, mom did like in her creative phase <laughs> for a short period of time. So kajal, um, you know, sometimes one way to do it is that you can just burn an almond on a, uh, on a stove and then the soot that's left behind, you mix it with like castor oil and then that's what it's used. So the traditional black kajal, like you would, you would line your uh, water line with it and that's, it's like almonds, castor oil, and that's basically it. And you make it fresh. I had no idea. That's incredible. <laughs> We're making ours because obviously we want to make sure we have good manufacturing practices and you know standards. But um, I think the idea is to take something that's a cultural of cultural relevance and make it our own. I can only think of one example that became really popular, uh, rice water. So my mom, when I was younger, she used to wash my face with rice water. I mean, she would tell me, Yvonne, this stops you from getting pimples. It didn't, but... <laughs> I was maybe, it organic maybe, rice water? <laughs> was it chemicals? Maybe, yeah, maybe the best is rice water were not helping. <laughs> that was the problem. But, you know, for, for sure, like, I mean, my mom, like... I, I've spoken about it once or twice, but she itself like has so much of that medicinal type of mindset and passing down so many of those recipes, whether it be something I ingest or something I put on my face, it is so important to be able to pass those down. I'm so lucky that my, my mother has done that for me and to be able to share those stories with other people, just as you said, we're sharing our culture and we're sharing our stories. And that's what people are resonating with. They're like, well, why do you, why do you do that? Why do you wear your hair like that? And say like, oh, it's because of this reason X. And I think that that just makes everyone more understanding, more tolerant and just more, more, more exciting. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, you said this word and I, I love the word story. And you didn't ask me this question, but if you ask me to define beauty, beauty to me is shared storytelling. It's what we tell ourselves, what we tell each other, what we tell, you know, our future generations. And I think that's why it's so important to create these narratives that are inclusive, because that's the story that will get passed down to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I and, love and that. Yes. And, and the name itself, like I know you've mentioned the names are very important to you. Did it take a long time for, for you to come up with the names and then get legal to make sure it was trademarked or copyrighted appropriate? Um, I think it took me, I did like come up with like a, about 50 names. We actually, uh, Badal and I also worked on a naming exercise, but actually like I'd come up with Kofi before. And the more we kind of like thought about it, the more we loved it. So Kofi is a South Asian dessert. It's most similar to ice cream. It comes in lots of yummy flavors and uh, colors. And it's uh, something we always have at celebrations. And so 
ultimately I wanted to get that emotional response from someone where, you know, it's like an inside thing. Like if you're South Asian, you know what Kofi is and gets you that emotional response of like celebration, fun, colors, yumminess, sweetness. And so that's uh, really um, what, what, where the name and the inspiration comes from. And then from, in terms of the legal perspective, uh, what was great was because it's a South Asian word, um, it was pretty easy to uh, get the trademark and get the domain. There's probably like less names out there for sure. It's really hard when you want a French name and when you want an Italian name, <laughs> I can definitely tell yeah. you from experience. Tell you about beauty, like beauty has had this Eurocentric perspective for so long that every French word has been taken up by the <laughs> It's true. So if anyone like out there needs some ideas, <laughs> this is a good one. Start start with something new. In fact, Malinka, when he's coming up with names, he's like he's trying to make up names right at this point. So he's taking two different languages. Um, even if you want to add your own name, your own name is probably taken in in the trademark process. So that's definitely a really good help and definitely a really good tip because coming from just even finding the name for this podcast, right? It's almost it was just the right connection. And we just happened to get so lucky that all the platforms that happened to be available, why was it available? I have no idea. <laughs> the universe that was available. That's right. Is so much, I think, and Priyanka, please, <clears throat> I would love your opinion, but so much of like different types of nuances, whether it be small decisions or big decisions, sometimes they just do really feel like just divine. They really feel like the, this is where the universe, God, whatever you believe in is really telling you, this is, this is the moment and this is the decision and go for it. Yeah, no, I 100% believe in that because I think like um, there have been all these, these small moments of connection, whether it was like finding investors or finding product or finding people in my team. And many of these people I didn't even know a year ago, but being able to like find that connection and the fact that it's all coming together, it feels magical. It's like I could not have imagined it and I definitely couldn't have strategized to achieve it right it just has to happen and even just our friendship right Priyanka you're the one who interviewed me <laughs> and me <laughs> and Yen. so we are all connected and again so many of the wonderful guests that we've also had on this podcast through that very strange connection whether it was my choice or somebody else's uh, it it really cannot be explained but all I can say is that it's through this journey and through these opportunities we absolutely grab them and we run with them because it feels so right and it's because of the story it, you, you inspired me so much you have such a light and I cannot wait you to see you inspire everybody else in your platform and more people you have to definitely share your face and share your voice even more we cannot wait to see where you go from here and we hope to have you back on soon thank you so much for sharing your story with us today Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be part of this. And also just like seeing your happy faces makes my day. And you know, it's just really, really nice that we've kind of kept in touch. And I think that community is what makes like people like Jan said is what make it worth it, right? That's what we want to be. We want to be connected. Yeah. And I truly believe now you know, the people that you're supposed to connect with will come into your life. So the people who are supposed to find our podcast, who are supposed to find your brand will find it and they will love it. And those are your most loyal customers. Can you tell our audience where they can find you or anything about Kofi Beauty? 
Yes. So you can find us on Instagram at kofi.beauty. That's spelled K-U-L-F-I dot beauty. And then also on our website, we're at kofibeauty.com. If you sign up for our newsletter, then you'll find out as soon as we launch all of the good details. Um, and then we are also trying to build our Twitter and TikTok. But, you know, I think Instagram and website are a good place to start. I need to make a TikTok. It's at this time after after talking to you and after talking to Megan, I have to build TikTok just to support my friends. <laughs> <laughs> please do, and then please make a TikTok about Kofi, and then we'll post it on our. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, anyone who's listening, if you guys are also into TikTok, where I mean, TikTok is is where it's at right now. <laughs> we will be here to support you, and we cannot wait to see more more coming from you. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Priyanka. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We really appreciate your support for our little podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it will mean the world to us if you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. This will help more people discover our podcast. You can find Lost and Refound podcast on Instagram at lost.and.refound. If you want to email us, you can do so at lostandrefoundpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I hope you stay positive and creative. Bye.